Totally Football show today. Totally Football no show as Man United bend over for Ben Yedder, bowing out before the quarters. It's not me, it's you, says Moo. We ask, will things brighten this weekend against, well, Brighton? Also out of Europe, Chelsea, well beaten over two legs and in Courtois' case between them by Barcelona. We salute Barca, Messi, Sevilla and the midweek's other winners, Bayern and Roma. And it's back home to say, miss a little tight-lipped, ashen-faced sideline arm-crossing and post-game passive aggressivity, then you'll be as happy as we to see Saints sign up Mark Hughes. Sparky returning at Wigan in the FA Cup this weekend. We preview the quarterfinals and the smattering of Premier League matches in this Totally Football show. Listeners, great news. On this Totally Football show, we've got James Horncastle. Hello. We've got Julian Laurent. Hello. And like a new signing, Michael Cox back in the lineup. Hi, James. Back from your sojourn learning Spanish in Spain. A little bit. Watching a lot of uh, Spanish football. Mm. And um, must say, whilst I was there, I thought Spanish teams this year not very good. You know, probably their lowest level for a few years. Right. And then lo and behold, they knock. Two of uh, <laughs> two of the English sides out. So yeah. clearly, I was completely wrong. How do you say two goals in four minutes? <laughs> Los goles. Dos goles in cuatro minutos. Okay, that's right, everybody. Uh, the Spanish doing the double over the Premier League sides. Spanish press. Euro Tunnel was their headline on the, the Chelsea <laughs> yeah. game, which I, I quite like that. While the, I think the, the majority of their column inches this week were dedicated to the game at Old Trafford. Not so much Sevilla's triumph, although they certainly celebrated that, but what they called the troglodyte football played by Man United. Jules, to quote one Spanish paper, Sevilla won and so did football. Yeah, yeah, I can see that for sure. I, I mean, I think we all knew what Mourinho was like, and we saw that in the first leg where they decided to go for just let's not attack, let's just keep a nil-nil draw. You never thought though that he would do that in the second leg, you know, at home where they still had to score because you know a nil-nil draw wouldn't have been enough, and somehow play with no intensity, no creativity, no idea. I mean, how on earth do you start Fellaini in a game like this? I'm not even talking it's about Pogba. I'm just GQ, saying... It's that GQ photo shoot that he was involved in where mm. he, the, he tied uh, his throw up in those kind of Minnie Mouse ears. Yeah, because um, that was a, that was a, that we'll, was a disturbing we'll choice. To, we'll that was come on to Man United's choice. tactics in a second, but many were surprised by Sevilla's success. Were you? Defensively, they haven't been very good this season. Mm. But if you don't put them under pressure, they can play and play and play and not concede. That's the thing. So I was surprised by the sense that United didn't go for them because defensively they're not very good. Right. But I wasn't surprised by the fact that they could play football and that Correa is a very good player, Vasquez is a very good player, Banega is a very good player. And Ben Yedder, were you surprised by him? I'm not surprised because I love him dearly. Okay, tell Have us I ever mentioned the... that he's uh, from Paris? Tell us. I mean, it would be surprising if he wasn't from true, Paris. True, that's very, very true. But... Julian. Um, no, it's a wonderful story. Okay, go on. It really is. And on many levels, not the fact that, you know, he comes on and scored two at Old Trafford, which is, you know, incredible. Um, but also the fact that, for example, he never went through an academy. He didn't go to the academy system like most players 
go through, you know, you sign at eight or nine or 10, 12, whatever, mm. and you spend your years learning how to play and, and how to become a professional player into an academy. And then you make your debut for that team, the first team, whatever, or you go on loan. To, an he academy, didn't do that. Yeah. He was born in Sarcel. Mm. He was a, a um, school friend of Real Mares, for example, the same generation in Sarcel. And then no one never picked him up. He played a lot of futsal, um, like a lot of the Brazilians do, for example. That's where the technique, that's where he got all that sort of technique skills and technique, technical ability. Uh, but also played 11 aside, but no one ever picked him up. So he kept going, played in the lower leagues in France. When he was 18, played in the fourth division for Alphaville, where I actually saw him play. Alphaville? Yeah, Alphaville, which is near where wow, I grew up. Wow, his career took him to Japan. Oh, it's a frightening video, that Alpha film. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. Yes, it is. Um, ben Yedder, even though he plays in Spain, has got more goals against the top six in England than Romelu Lukaku this season. He's got five. Oh, it's a bit harsh, oh, really. Oh, that's it's, 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 a, of the week. it's a bit harsh because no, Lukaku over the last few weeks has actually done quite well and did score, even though he was playing in a... Even though United's approach didn't really do him any favours, I thought, last night. Um, but, but just still. to reiterate, so three goals against Liverpool in the crazy game at the Sanchez Bridge one, and two here. Mm. So it's five goals for Ben Yedda against uh, England's top six. And to finish on Ben Yedda, it mm. shows that if you believe in yourself, you know, and even if you're not, With not getting picked up... just a little bit of magic. Yeah, no, but you need to have talent. But you see what I mean? It's, it's, a, it's a Conte story or it's a Ribéry story or it's a Vardy story. That's the kind of stories that yeah. you can still make it at that level, even if you don't go through the mood of going to an academy when you're young. How situation. old is he now? 27. 27. And he should be called up today after we finish the show, unfortunately, for the first time ever by Deschamps for the two friendlies with France against Colombia and Russia in the, at the end of the month. It is an amazing story. Also for Sevilla in general, the first time they reached the Champions League quarterfinals in 60 years. Yeah. They lost Almost 10-2 on aggregate to Real Madrid. Was it, is that what happened back then? <laughs> back in 1958. Almost as long since Man United won a knockout game mm. in the Champions League. BT Sports pointing out in their tweet that since they last did, Real Madrid have won the Champions League on three occasions. And since Man United last won a Champions League knockout match, Leicester have won promotion to the Premier League and then won the the actual competition, which is remarkable, isn't it? All right, well, let's talk then about the team described as rich in millions but mean of spirit. What's the point in spunking 300 million on players to just hoof it upfield to Lukaku? Uh, Jose Mourinho, I don't think anybody yet has defended his tactics on Tuesday night. Michael, would you like to have a go? No, well, I thought the only people who did defend his tactics to a certain extent were the, the pundits on BT, actually. I thought oh, Stephen Gerrard was very reluctant to criticise Mourinho, which I thought was strange because this was a massive failing from him. You know, he's always criticised for being, being too defensive, but it's often in terms of People saying, oh, it's not just about winning, it's also about putting on a show, putting on a spectacle. But that wasn't the case here. It just wasn't the optimum approach against this severe side, mm. who have a couple of very good technical centre-backs, Kier and uh, Longley. Um, but they're not strong. They're not good under pressure. You know, I'd only attacked for the last 10 minutes, really, and created three or four good chances. It was just the wrong way to go about the game. And, you know, the severe players afterwards, I think Nzonzi was saying... You know, me and Benega, we were amazed that we weren't pressed at all. We just had so much time on the ball. And that's what led to the the, the first the severe first goal, which I thought was a really lovely move, actually. Mm. But Benega, the, you know... He can do what he wants. He's got... and another thing on Benega, he got booked after five minutes and I thought, yeah. well, he's in trouble here. Mm. He, he's the kind of player who is... 
you know, almost a bit of a Jack Wilshere prone to just diving in. But he had no one running past him. He didn't have to make another tackle for the rest of the game. I thought it was just so timid and so meek from United and just they didn't have to play that way in this game. I get United playing that way against someone like Liverpool, who is so good on the counter-attack, mm. but Sevilla, they're good technically, but they're a bit... As I said to James earlier, they're a little bit Jose Antonio Reyes, Sevilla. They're, all very, they're very technical, very neat, but put them under physical pressure, I think. Well, they've conceded 42 them. league goals this season, uh, 12 in six Champions League matches, so they, they certainly do concede. And you mentioned Liverpool there. The, the curious thing was that the weekend's match against Liverpool had, had offered a perfect blueprint, almost, of, of how to get the best out of this side. Yeah, they didn't offer anything going forward on Tuesday. I thought, with the exception of uh, Lukaku, who I thought came towards play well and was laying the ball off to Sanchez on the left. But no, they didn't offer anything. I thought uh, to play that midfield in a home game against a, a relatively weak team, you just you just don't have the tools to break them down. It was a really poor performance. Well, Mourinho did at least adopt an, an offensive uh, approach in the post-game <laughs> press conference by saying it's not uncommon for team for united to lose here because i've won here on one hand you have to <laughs> that's a disgrace ad- admire the staggering chutzpah of, of the man but does he is he not just underlining the fact when he says i came here and won with Roma and porter the fact that he used to make headlines for winning things and now it's almost like he's a he's a spent force and and do you think he's crossed the line with man united by adopting that approach I think the game has moved on in many respects from Mourinho, um, at least at the highest level, where yeah, more has to be expected of a team um, than to just basically stay compact, keep it tight, and maybe nick a goal on the counter-attack. Um, the number of teams now we see that are influenced by what Pep Guardiola has done and um, are ambitious about um, how they play, not only at home, but away from home. Um, I think is is pretty damning for Mourinho. Manchester United make more in three months than Sevilla make in an entire year. And a lot of what Sevilla make is from selling players. Um, United have no excuse for the for the football um, that is served by, by Jose Mourinho. It's clear that uh, another manager could get more out of those players could put on a better spectacle. Do you think that's clear to Man United now? Well, I mean, they've given him a new contract. This post-game press conference represents a, a change in, in his position at the club. Look, I mean, it's it's curious how, you know, whenever Mourinho signs a new contract at a club within a year or so, he's out. When United spend £100 million on Paul Pogba and you see Pogba at odds with Mourinho, um, not playing either because he's injured or, or because there's a difference of opinion on where he should play. United have to look at that and think the manager is not maximising you know, the assets that we're putting at his disposal, which we're, you know, we can afford to buy, but at the same time are at great expense. And you know, I think he is incapable of changing. You know, he, when he got the Chelsea job the second time around, he said, I'm different now. He's shown he's not different. If anything, things things radicalise quicker with Mourinho in terms of his relationship with the squad. Um, and it's clear that the team, the, the way that the team plays doesn't try and change either. He's got one way and that's it. He, he's, he's quite one-dimensional. I think what he said at the end is an insult to the club, to the fans, even to the players as well. And just to go back on the tactics that Coxie mentioned and, and, and Hamis mentioned, if you go and play that defensive... And clearly, there was not much intent to, to go forward, at least be solid defensively. But they considered 21 shots in that game. I think the last time uh, a Manchester United team considered more was against Real Madrid five or six years ago, which was like 23 or 24. 
how can you be so defensive and yet concede so many shots and obviously concede goals? It's just like beyond me. They didn't do anything right. Not def- so not, the they didn't defend well. well. They didn't they didn't attack well. They mm. didn't press at all, as we as we just mentioned. What on earth did they do in that game? How did they well, think you, they would win the game? Do you think that was all because of Mourinho's instructions, or did the players just not follow his instructions? Oh no, I, no. I think they would have followed. That's that's the way he wanted them to play. And I think he probably said, you know, let's take it easy. He probably easy. didn't ask Sanchez to lose the ball. How many times was it? 42, 42. times? Is that, 42 re- is that real? Do you think that's real? 42 times? That's well, a he's lot. average. We've mentioned it before. More or less every game he plays, he gives the ball up 30 times. Um, so, I mean, that, that would be on trend. Well, I'm a little bit sceptical about the use of these stats. Because yeah. if you look at who's given the ball away the most in the Premier League this year, I think the top two are Christian Eriksen and Kevin De Bruyne. So... I think that they the, take risks. The, the, yeah, yeah. The, the, the stat to focus. The stat to focus on. You don't need the extra stats. The stat to focus on is he scored one goal and he hasn't created any. Mm-hmm. Just on Mourinho, he has actually said this kind of thing before after a game. Um, Chelsea. Uh, sorry, Manchester United lost three 0 to someone last year. It might have been Chelsea. And in his program notes for the next game, he said, "Well, it's nothing new because when I was with Chelsea, <laughs> I beat Manchester United three 0 and I beat them three one on two occasions. Yeah. We just... <laughs> I, I don't understand how that's meant to console the supporters. <laughs> Can we just salute uh, Vincenzo Montella? Yes. Oh, um, I wonder when that was going to come. <laughs> because uh, what they lost at the weekend to Valencia, which meant they basically said adios to the Champions League. They can't qualify for it. They're 11 points off the top four, I think, in, in, in La Liga. And yet... Um, yeah, Sevilla have a great pedigree in, in cup competitions. That's why, regardless of what they've been doing in domestic competition, you, you had to recognise that they would be a threat in this game. They knocked Atletico Madrid out of the Copa del Rey. They're in the Copa del Rey final um, at the end of April against Barcelona. They're in the quarterfinals of the Champions League for the first time. And, uh, you know, Montella, when apparently they were back at the hotel after this game in, in what, the Deansgate Hilton with his celebrity friends Alexander Skarsgård I, d- I had no idea that he oh, was really? he was good pals with him sharing That's a, a good looking sh- pair exactly <laughs> sharing a, a glass of whiskey on the rocks and, and and toasting to their success so where know. were you on Tuesday night that's where <laughs> yeah. that's where it was at yeah so I've got a quiz question about this game, right? Ah, I'm going to say now, then I leave yeah. you boys a bit of time and our listeners to try to guess. And yes. then at the end, I'll reveal the answer. But only four players yes. have scored two or more goals in a Champions League knockout match at Old Trafford. Benier there being one. So Ronaldo? there's three more for you to find. Ronaldo? There's three more for you to find. Do you want, do you want the answer? Surely. Well, Ronaldo. Which Ronaldo? Well, uh, or Phenomenal. Or Phenomenal. So there's two three, more. So two more. Uh, Kaka got two. Kaka got two. Oh my God, I thought it would be harder than that. So you've okay, got just one more. Let's save the best for last yes. for a bit later on. Yes. It's going to be let's someone French, isn't it? Paris <laughs> <laughs> born and bred. Maybe not. <laughs> wow, that's fascinating, isn't it? Huh. Anyway, uh, Man United, of course, still on for the single, uh, the FA Cup, <laughs> yeah. which they're in the quarterfinals. <laughs> Brighton will be visiting them uh, this Saturday. Replay of the... 83 final just to finish off this chunk what do we think huh Man United to come like wounded beasts out of the gate and attack the seagulls even if United lose anyway it's it's okay because Mourinho I'm sure before lost (laughs) lost in the FA Cup at some point or Or even won or beat beat someone in the FA Cup too so Glenn Murray is the big goal threat at one end and Dunk or, or Bong is a big goal threat at the other, probably. <laughs> I mean, Brighton home goals, it's a joke that keeps on giving. Uh, 
Anthony Knockout's banned, of course, mm-hmm. after his uh, his challenge at the weekend against Everton. What, what do we think is going to happen here? Is Mourinho going to swallow his pride and, and throw Pogba back in? Would that be the right thing to do? What, what do you think? I expect Pogba will come back. I'd be surprised if Mata doesn't come back as well because mm. they need that creativity. I think United will probably win. I mean, uh, Brighton play very deep. Uh, they depend on the counter-attack, but they do defend in a kind of organised manner. The one thing I think will give Brighton a chance is that um, United will play Sergio Romero in goal, and he's a perfectly competent goalkeeper, but De Gea has been astonishing this year, has saved them on so many occasions. And even though Romero's you know, probably a mid-table standard goalkeeper, that's a big drop. Um, and they just rely on De Gea so much that if he's not there, I think they're a, a much worse side. Is this a good time to be facing Man United or a bad time, James? I think it depends entirely on what team... Uh, Mourinho puts out because you know that's what staggered me on on Tuesday night is that uh, he went away from what had worked for him in the second half against Palace worked for him against Liverpool you know all of a sudden you had Rashford um, uh, playing out on the right instead of on the left where he seemed to do very well Sanchez being on the left instead of in the middle and you know I think uh, it was interesting to see sort of Lingard in midfield because both Lingard and Fellaini got so far ahead of the ball that it was just Matic in front of the defence. He had too much to cover. So I think if, if he were to go back to what worked for them in what has been a quite encouraging period for United, you think of the Chelsea, the Palace and the Liverpool games, then yeah, of course, they should be favourites to get this. But I, I do think it depends how much you know, damage Mourinho does to, to himself and his prospects with his team. Really. Yeah. Well, the other bad news, of course, for Man United this week was Man City winning on Monday night away at Stoke, uh, both goals from David Silva. And that means, of course, now that City are on track, if they could beat Everton in the next game, to win the title against United in about three weeks' time. Hey, we're going to talk about more Europe. We're going to talk about more FA Cup quarterfinals and various other things after this. You're listening to The Totally Football Show, sponsored by Paddy Power, the home of the Money Back Special. Keep listening to the end of the podcast to find out more. Thanks to Duncan Alexander for pointing out that Arsenal are now the only London club left in Europe. Oh. There you go. In action this evening, Thursday night, 2-0 up, two away goals uh, from their first leg against Milan at San Siro. Of course, this is following Chelsea's exit from the Champions League and a relatively close game. No, I mean, there was one player who was the difference. Is that fair? Yeah, I think they played really well, Chelsea. I mean, the start, obviously, is a big blow, although it didn't really change much because they, they had to score before a nil-nil. They still had to score, you know, one nil down anyway. But especially the start of the second half, they played really well and they, they were a bit unlucky not to score. There's the free kick of Alonso on the post. There's a few mm. chances. Conte has one at the end of the first half as well. They've got some early in the second half. It's just... They play well, but one man played better. Exactly. When you have that guy against you, you just anything can happen at any time, you know. But the lesson as well, I think, and it's funny because it's something Mourinho says a lot, and is that if you can exploit the mistake, or the error from the opposition, then then you you are, you are, you've got a big chance to win. And and when you think about Fabregas losing the ball on that second goal from Barcelona, and the problem with Messi is that you could lose the ball on the halfway line where against any other players it's it's not going to create much but Messi gets that ball back and creates a goal and then when Aspilicueta loses the ball on the third one again for many players and many teams that wouldn't have led to anything but with Messi it leads to another goal and I think when you make two two mistakes like that against him then you get punished that Dembele Dembele goal though it wasn't just Fabregas losing the ball 
prior to that, Hazard had had a couple of options and yeah. had just basically smacked it straight into the nearest central defender. True, but Fabregas, there's no way at that level Fabregas can lose the ball like he did. Sure, but Hazard had a poor night, would you say, on a night that a lot of people were saying... uh, Yeah, I thought Willian was, again, their best attacking player, um, ran purposely and was at the heart of the best things that they created. I think Courtois had a had a poor night as well, getting done through his legs twice. Yeah. Um, and also, on is he actually not that good, Courtois? Has mm. he gone? Has his form taken a real dip? Because it's not the first time of late that his errors have cost Chelsea. You you rate Courtois, don't you? Coxie? Well, I did rate him very highly. I, I think he's had a poor season. I think he's actually gone backwards since he moved to Chelsea. I mean, he's, he's clearly not happy at Chelsea. He said from the outset he didn't really want to play there. He keeps on angling for a move to Real Madrid. Who won't have been impressed by his performance against Spanish opposition this week. Um, and he's not very popular amongst Chelsea fans, it seems, because he keeps on linking himself with a, a move to Madrid. So I think at, at uh, Atletico, I think he was the best goalkeeper in Europe, but uh, on current form, not so much. All right. He's considered a few goals through his legs over the last 18 months or so. And it was interesting in his post-match interview, he basically blamed it on being too tall. Right. Did you realise that? He said, I'm so tall that even if I'm stood with my legs in a normal position, there's just mm. too much space there. He's too like, much what? between his really? legs. What? He can't right. close his legs? Because it's too tall. Right. It's a thing. He's so tall that to go down, it's obviously takes longer than if you were yeah. shorter. But between the legs, just close your bloody legs. Close your bloody legs. I think says um, Julian Laurent. Messi deserves well, obviously deserves enormous credit, but yeah. he's playing in a bit of a new role this season. You know, we've seen him before be on the right, plays a false nine. Now he's playing as a kind of classic Argentine number ten behind Suarez. And uh, his game is almost less about goals now, and yet he still scores at a rate of about one a game. But it's interesting that, you know, this is the position he's always really wanted to play. He grew up in Argentina. He wanted to be in that kind of Maradona role. And it's only the age of 29, really, where he's actually playing in his the position he's always wanted to play, which is incredible when you think that he's essentially become the player we all think is probably the best of, of all time. Um, he's found a new dimension to his game and... Uh, He's just, when he plays like that, he's just incredible. 100 Champions League goals, and last night he scored one with his right, one with his left. He set up Dembélé by basically taking all of Chelsea's defenders to his side. Um, yeah, Another kind of underlining again why he is the best player in the world. Mm. Done with such ease as well. Uh, from a Premier League point of view, Dan Billingham asking how... Premier League sides have managed to go seven Champions League matches now without a victory. Uh, Duncan Alexander again pointing out that Leicester are the only Premier League side to knock out aside from Spain in the last six seasons. Hmm. Leicester. <laughs> yeah, and that was severe. Yeah, it was, wasn't it? And it even they should... had a go, more of a go than United, yeah. despite the fact that Leicester's game plan was all about sitting back. Should, you know, usually. Should, the, um, should the Premier League, as it goes from five participants down to two, should it be concerned? Well, I think you have to take each one case by case. I think in in in, in United's um, respect, um, you have to. I think that put that on the manager. Um, I think in Chelsea's um, respect, it's it's hard to look at what Conte could have done more. Really, I think, and you are playing against a team with the best player in the world. Mm. Um, and you know, in Spurs's um, respect, I mean, they played very well. They, you know, for what. Um, 170 of the 180 minutes, they were probably the better team against Juventus, and yet they got um, they got outflanked um, by by Allegri for not for, for being too too late in in reacting to the changes that he made in the second half at Wembley. So um, still, though, three teams out of yeah. five knocked out of the last 16. Mm. It's not a great look elsewhere in the Champions League. Of course, the draw coming up on Friday, and it will feature Roma and Bayern. Bayern who 
beat Besiktas 8-1 on aggregate. <laughs> yeah, your, your Pankers has won 11 Champions League games in a row. Mm. That's ever. a record. Yeah. First ever. First ever. Sorry, Jules, yeah. Roma's aggregate scored 2-2, but they went through on away goals, that 1-0 on the night. Them scoring was feasible for me. Them keeping a clean sheet, I had my doubts about, but they just about did it, largely thanks to their ball boy. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, who was, um, what, not bundled over the advertising hoardings by... Well, he, took, uh, he saw an opportunity, let's say. Yeah, <laughs> his legs dangling over the end. I, I, he did, uh, a lot of people were, um, were, I think, getting in touch with him on social media to ask if he was okay, and he was like, no, it's fine, it's fine. But it was, it was amusing. So this scene. is late on, and, and, and plays over on the other side, but the ball goes out towards him, and he's dithering around, and uh, Ferreira goes over and, and gets the ball off him. And you don't see it close up. I mean, there is now a video of it, but on the coverage, it did look like he pushed him head mm. over heels over the advertising hoardings, but he really didn't. <laughs> but anyway, it was enough to spark a little bit of a, a melee among the players and that. Do, do you remember Hazard at Swansea? I was going to say that yeah, was so punch. good. The Hazard one. Yeah, yeah with yeah. a ball boy who was as tall as him. Right. And was holding the ball and he saw like, well, it's not give him a punch, kick. Yeah, give him a yeah. kick. Wait, because he was lying so on top funny. of the ball. Yeah, do you remember yeah, that? Yeah, that was four or five years ago. One something? of my favourite incidents in recent years. That it was yeah. incredible. And the best thing was that someone found his uh, Twitter account that evening, and he tweeted early in the day, hashtag needed for time wasting. <laughs> 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 so to have that plan and to execute it so yeah, well, brilliantly, incredible. No, I'm not the one, the ball I don't know which team it was uh, with Cristiano Ronaldo of the ball boy who's there hanging onto the ball, and Ronaldo saying, "Give me the ball," and the ball boy's just shrugging at him like what what so Ronaldo runs over to get it and the ball boy throws it straight past him and to Ronaldo's credit because at this point you'd be really cross you would be cross Ronaldo just turns around and kind of goes okay and gets on with the game but it was but Michel done. Platini used just yeah. on ball boys to finish Michel Platini used to say that at the time when he was in Italy with Juventus you didn't have so many you know so many balls as well mm. than you could have now but he said that when you go to Napoli when you, they used to go to Napoli and the ball was going out the ball boys used to get the ball and do keeping her piece so you were there waiting for the ball to come back and the ball boys at Napoli were doing keeping her piece passes between the two just waste time and I just think it's it's, it's brilliant. Is yeah. it great if, if, I mean, we we could maybe do this on Golazzo if we were you know talking about ball boys. But Passarella back in the eighties oh, when nice. he was playing for Inter um, kicked a ball boy so hard that he got banned for six games. Really? Has that got a ban as well? Didn't he? Didn't he get a match, one match ban or something? Yeah, he was sent off. Yeah, there was a, another outside agent in the uh, Besiktas. Oh, Bayern game, which was a cat on the, the pitch, cat. which held yeah. up. Yeah. Play. Always exciting. Yeah. Mm. I mean, I have a little hope for the, the, the quarterfinal draw. Yes. I'd love either Roma to get uh, Sevilla, because then you have the kind of this Montella. sort of Monchi and Montella and yeah. Di Francesco, who were, you know, good friends. Yeah. And they're all Roma and Liverpool, we have Salah going back. and oh. all it's, 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 it's good. Yeah, I like it. Man City boots. and Roma, you've got Dzeko. Dzeko, of course, it, who it was who scored and who said afterwards, this was the reason I stayed at Roma, because everyone thought he was going to Chelsea's. Yeah. He would have been cup tied. He said, "I stayed at Roma for the, the Champions League." It is a an enchanting city, of course. Roma in there, one of two Italian sides in the quarters. Mm-hmm. First time we've had that in a while. Juventus obviously through three from La Liga, Barcelona, Roma, Madrid, Sevilla, Bayern Munich out of the Bundesliga, and Man City and Liverpool. There's no French sides there, John. <laughs> <laughs> no, there's not. PSG not there. But when I saw United play, yes. As a as a PSG fan myself, 
I was like, at least over the two games with, with, with Real Madrid, once it was Real Madrid yeah. and not Sevilla, and at least we tried in that first game especially, not in the second game. But United didn't try at all, neither in the first one or in the second one apart from the last 10 minutes. Indeed. All right, quarterfinals then of the FA Cup after this. Listeners, you know there's more to football than inverted pyramids, XG and young millionaires with too many tattoos. Yes, football's fundamentally a simple game, but you can't truly understand all dimensions of the game without understanding the modern world. And you can't understand the modern world without understanding its most popular sport. Game of Our Lives is a new podcast series hosted by the football historian David Goldblatt. It tackles themes like human nature, globalisation and geopolitics through the prism of the beautiful game. Just like the Totally Football Show, sort of. But you can bet we'll be listening. The first episode is out now and focuses on the cinema of the pitch. Here's a taster with filmmaker Werner Herzog giving his view of your typical Super Sunday from a cinematographer's perspective. I like to see a wider shot of the field and how the entire field all of a sudden is moving. What is the opponent's team doing? How do they move their entire team uh, a little bit more to the left or to the right? Uh, so I, I like to see certain patterns that emerge very quickly. If you want to learn more about why football matters, make sure you listen to Game of Our Lives on Apple Podcasts and everywhere else you get your audio on demand. The Game of Our Lives podcast with David Goldblatt. Subscribe now. Werner Herzog. Mm, we're all fans of him. You're also a big fan of David Goldblatt, Michael. Is that right? Yeah, uh, he's the author of The Ball Is Round, which I think is probably the definitive football book ever written. It's I genuinely think it might be one of the most comprehensive books written on any subject ever. Really? It's about a thousand pages charting football history in every country from the beginning of football to the modern era. It's just an incredible piece of work. And at the end, the conclusion, the ball is round. <laughs> no, that was the starting point. Actually. Oh, I see. Okay. I think it comes from a quote from Pelé or someone who says, well, the football's different in every country, but the ball is always round. Oh, I see. Okay. One of those Pelé quotes which don't really mean anything. Right. Like Nicky Butt, best player. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah, we could, I mean, it's easy to laugh, isn't yeah, it? Yeah, it is. Let's, let's do something more positive instead and mention that this Monday night, there's something pretty special for football fans. It's not a match, but it is... At Vicar Street, James Horncastle, Julien Laurent, and DJ Pat Nevin mm. doing mm. Totally Football live in Dublin. Uh, Pat Master Flex. And the Furious Three. <laughs> <laughs> Word. Yeah. Uh, the, uh, ben says, producer Ben says, there's one ticket left. One. Really? I don't know if he means it or if he's just being. You know, producer Ben. Is it hidden somewhere? Is it hidden somewhere in Dublin? And the the, the first guy oh, who found it. That would be great it. in a chocolate bar. <laughs> yeah, something like brilliant. Ticketmaster.ie. I don't know. You know, and try your luck. Either that or the tout. They must be licking their lips over oh, this. Yeah. Ben is keen for you to know that there'll be stories too hot for the pod. But if there's no tickets left, Ben, why torment people with the, with the, with the knowledge? If, if there were tickets left, it would be worth me telling you about some of the stuff we're going to talk about, which a lot of it's too hot for the pod. Saddam Hussein, fighting with teammates, all that kind of good stuff. Yeah. But, you know, anyway, also exciting and available to everybody, Michael, everyone, mm -hmm. is the Totally Football Quiz. That's right. It happens every Friday at 12.30 GMT. The address? Why? It's live at facebook.com slash the totally football show. It features fiendish and fascinating questions set by our friends at Opta. And basically everyone who logs on and takes part just by giving us a like on Facebook 
gets to win something. That something, Jules, is knowledge. Yes. Yeah, because you can take away a lot of those questions and use them in quizzes like you've done with your... Exactly. Yeah, but there are also some prizes. There's a Borussia Mönchengladbach home shirt provided by our friends from classicfootballshirts.co.uk who I spent a very entertaining uh, Saturday evening with, actually, in Manchester at the National Football Museum. They'd organised a big thing, a display. They've got about half a million items. And they had a display of 500 of the most iconic. And they'd gone large on it, to be fair. They'd flown in Rue Trullet, or or arranged for him to be there. I don't know where he's coming from. They'd flown in the woman who designed... Ina Fransman, who designed the what's... Recognised as the most iconic, certainly international jersey of all time, the Germany 1990 with the the line, the asymmetric line. And actually, reading up on this part of the thing, I'd stumbled across this theory that the line isn't random. It actually represents Germany World Cup performances. So if you take a look at the the, the kind of points on the graph, and by all means, Google a picture of this while I'm talking it through. So 1974, they win the World Cup. And that's that's up on the shoulder. And then it drops right down. The next World Cup, they go out the group stage, 78. Then it goes up and it plateaus across two points, mirroring the fact that they reach the final of the next two World Cups without winning. Yeah. And then it goes up again to the top of the next shoulder for 1990, which is when the shirt was designed for. What did they do in 1990, James Horn Castle? They won. Yeah. So I, I pointed this out to Ian and she said, no, it was just completely <laughs> In her head. But obviously some force was acting Ooh. through her. Also that night, Rude Hullet... Oh, one matter turned up. It was a star star. And Yari Litmanen. Uh-huh. Yeah. And Rude Hullet, uh, I asked him about that Holland shirt, another of the iconic jerseys Ooh, yeah. of yesteryear from 88. He said he never liked it. He said he thought it was one of the ugliest shirts he'd ever seen. Oh, wow. Oh, wow. Did so he was... Used to wearing that lovely Milan shirt at that time. That's true. Mediolanum one. Did, That's true. Did Rude Hullet talk about when he um, persuaded was it Feyenoord to change their kit? He arrived there and he thought that their black shorts looked too... No, he didn't. Yeah. That would have been a great thing to ask him. Yeah, sorry. Oh, well. I would have told you if I knew, but... Right. That'll be for classic football shorts anyway. <laughs> <laughs> Did you say they had half a million items in there? Supposedly. I don't think individual items. They bought up a lot of kind of remaindered stock from clubs. So, okay. But, yeah, yeah let me go to their website, which just happens to be classicfootballshirts.co.uk, and you'll find a lot of it's you know, like r- ridiculous prices. They even have uh, David Beckham's match underwear there. Oh. I bought a not vintage Gary um, Sampdoria like. shirt from what, not the... Uh, did Scudetto you? winning season from, and, from classic football shows. And how much did you pay for that, Jen? Uh I can't remember how much I paid, but I remember David Ginola when we were working at BT. Oh, he yeah. insisted that he buy it off me, and I refused. Oh. Um, oh. He said he would give me uh, anything for it. Um, but anything? I, yeah. His hair. But it uh, goes to show how much he, he loved that shirt, which is probably the best shirt in football. Yeah, it's up there, isn't it? Up there. Now... Saturday sees the return of the FA Cup quarterfinals. And Mark Hughes, James. And Mark Hughes, who will be debuting on the Saints bench as they travel to Wigan. That's on Sunday. Mm. Uh, Yeah, what do we make of uh, this appointment? Wardy asking, great tweet this, with Mark Hughes going to Southampton, will he keep Stoke up after all? (laughs) <laughs> That's naughty. 
Although it's it's interesting, isn't it? I was talking to a Stoke fan during the week who reckoned that their team is going to get extra impetus for the run-in because they will be in direct competition. They'll be battling the less-than-popular Hughes for the relegation spots. Yeah, I'm not sure whether that's true. I mean, if that is true, you have to wonder about the motivation levels of some of these players. <laughs> and you should just want to go out and win the game. Not just it's not just about screwing everyone over all the time, is it? Yeah, although that's a powerful human emotion, isn't it? It is. Certainly, <laughs> yeah. what, what about what about their decision to hire Hughes in the first place? I think it's quite a good move, to be honest. I mean, they need a uh, they need someone who can do a job over a short period of time. I know that Hughes' stock isn't particularly high after the way that this season went. But as I've said previously, he did a very good job with Stoke in his first few seasons. He improved their league position while overhauling probably the most defined and old-fashioned style of football. Um, you know, that's the way they played before he came. And I think Southampton are quite a good team on paper. They've got a good starting eleven, maybe not great squad depth. But uh, I think it's a good move. I think he'll give them a bit of a shot in the arm. They seemed really bored under... Um, Pellegrino. More than anything else, they just seem bored. So I I don't think it's about Scoring goals was a massive problem. Let me blow your mind with a stat. Chances created in the Premier League, top six for chances created are, you know, the top, the big clubs, yeah? Seventh place are Southampton. Isn't that amazing? So they do actually, they have actually, according to stats, which I agree, you do have to take with a pinch of salt and place in context, they have been creating chances. It's just that they've got yeah, well, I mean, Hughes himself was a very fine finisher once mm. of Southampton, although probably the most famous incident he was involved with at uh, Southampton was at the Dell when he scored a goal and the ball bounced off the advertising hoarding in, like behind the net, bounced back into play, and they just played on because the referee and linesman didn't see it. Incredible. Wow, that's why we need VAR. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> yeah. But uh, I think the problem for him is that, what, five of their eight away uh, games are away from home That's uh, right. in this season. Good, yeah. And they've got to play City, Arsenal and Chelsea. Um, I would fancy Wigan to, to, to go through in this in, in this tie because remember what uh, Mark Hughes was up to in the Cup early this season, went out to Bristol City, went out to Coventry City. Given uh, Wigan's pedigree this uh, this season in knocking out well not only City but other Premier League clubs as well. Yeah. Um, Bournemouth, West Ham. Yeah. They've got the top scorer in the competition, who is of course on fire. Extremely flammable <laughs> Will Grigg. Yeah. I, I just on Southampton's fixtures. I'm not sure that's necessarily a bad thing because I think Chelsea, Arsenal, and Man City might have other priorities rather than the league when those fixtures come around. So, you know, Chelsea are very good at sacking off games where they don't care anymore. Well, Chelsea only have the FA Cup and they might not even have that after this weekend when they have to travel to Leicester who look a great shout for uh, being a, you know, FA Cup dark horses. A game this that will see uh, Drinkwater and Kante back at their old club and Chelsea up against the former Southampton manager, the now, I think, probably quite missed Claude Puel. What, what do you think about Leicester's chances of doing Chelsea? Yeah, I think I think they have... They have uh, a big chance to do it. I think it was interesting to see how he dealt with uh, how Puel de- dealt with the the FA Cup before, for example, against Fleetwood. It was very much like a B or even a C team. Mm. But then gradually he put better players back in in that competition as well. And I think you'll have a full strength team. You expect for, for Leicester at the weekend and. And I think at home as well, I think they've, they've done some really good things with Puel. Right. Of course, nowadays, they don't have too much else to worry about, do they? Their league position looks safe. Chelsea, by contrast, absolutely have to worry about the league because they're four points outside the top four positions at the moment. They can't afford to slack off too much in the domestic. They have won they have... four of their last five games at the King Power. Conte have they? Uh, has done pretty well um, huh. going over there. Although when they won in September, 
um, Morata was in in a, in a yeah encouraging start to life at uh, at Chelsea, which you know has obviously faded quite dramatically. Um, but um, you know, I, th- I, th- I I would still fancy Chelsea in this in this game. Right, Leicester fresh. Of course, they didn't have to make that trip to Catalonia yeah, on the ice chase Messi around for mm. ninety minutes. Huh. Swansea taking on Spurs. Kane news about six weeks. He's saying, is that right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, that probably means Lorente back in for this one against his former club. Against oh, he did his score former against club. him earlier in the season, didn't he? He can play Son as well. Yeah. yeah. Mm. More than Llorente. Clearly, that's what he did against Bournemouth instead of bringing Llorente on. Yeah. Swansea haven't beaten Spurs since 1982. Their last four meetings with Tottenham have finished with an aggregate score of 10 goals conceded and just one scored. Of course, this was before Carlos Carvalhal turned up. But uh, interesting. Um, Producer Ben chipping in on the subject of Young Min Son, who's been... Probably the the the, the surprise surprise story, the, one of the best stories of of this season for for Spurs. No, that he might have to do two years military service. That was something that they knew when they signed him, though. Yeah. And I think they tried to to uh, delay it Defer. as much as they could, or not not having it happening yeah. at all. I still find it. How really would that weird. work? Um, but I for example, Israeli players have to do their. Yeah. I think it's three years for them. Whether they're football players, doctors, you know, whatever, mm. studying, they have to do them. I can't Italy, believe. I remember that the, the Leva when when when, mm. when that existed, they had uh, they had a, a, a football team, and they basically would bring. We went down to Naples and we did a feature, and there was Del Piero and everyone yeah. like in their fatigues. But mm. all they did was basically hang around the 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 um, the barracks and go out and play a bit of football. Yeah, on the, the French side as well pitch. had that uh-huh. because there, there was even a tournament or something. I think the French won the sort of military World Cup or something Brilliant. like that back in early eighties or something. Okay, well, Fre- who, French who, who, with a military victory. Oh, <laughs> here we go. Some, Sorry, who, Colonel Nelson. It was who was uh, it was a big name manager who was in charge of the military team. Was yeah. it the mayor? Yeah, well, Le Maire, who then won the Euros won the in Euros, 2000, he, was the... But he spent like 10 years in charge of the military football yeah, team, ridiculous. which is an incredible preparation for, you know, managing the actual national team. Yeah, right. but I think Siege they realised it was a lot, of, a lot of money wasted as well. Anyway, so Jung Min Son, but it, it, it's just a long way to have to go, you know. I, I don't know how they'll... Uh, that career cannot. I, I can't see. I, I know the guy who, who who worked on that Son deal when he moved to Spurs, and I he did. said all of a sudden, um, you know, when you're doing your sort of evaluation of a player and and how to sign, it, and you have to figure out whether he can be called up for military service or not. Mm. <laughs> yeah, it, it's a it's a it's a bit of a nightmare. It's not something you expect to to do, you know. No, and the the, the worry is that the way Donald Trump is, there's every chance he could get called up. It could mm. be needed. In action. Um, uh, one of the things that struck me about Son, which I know he was quick, but I didn't know that this came out during the Juventus game, is that he is, he's been clocked as the quickest player with the ball at his feet in the world. What? It's like forty kilometers an hour, something like that. <laughs> maybe it's because Manchester. Maybe it's because um, Ronaldo's, you know, got a little bit old and that mm. sort of thing. But yeah. Pretty, pretty impressive. No? I, I don't believe any of these things. Honestly, <laughs> every time you see ruin them, it. There was one a few years ago where they had Richard Dunn as one of the quickest players in the Premier League. <laughs> They must have inverted the scale. Well, he's got long legs. <laughs> yeah. yeah, yeah, prone to being nutmegs then. Uh, well, anyway, that's uh, well. Apparently, we just done our FA Cup quarterfinal mm-hmm. preview. Look at that! That was quick. Well done, us. All right, listeners. That means we can move on to other exciting things, like oh, what's been happening in Greece again, and other things, and your questions and stuff. After this. 
Hey, Spurs fans, we're here to soothe that troubled brow with news that Son won't have to do his military service if his, what, under-23, under-21 fellow nationals win the Asian Games, which takes place when, Michael? <laughs> August or September. Oh August or September this year. If okay. South Korea win that, all professional footballers or all members of the national side or the various national sides are exempt from national service. What, what a source of motivation. I know. It's either, the, it's either that or screwing over Mark Hughes are the things that will really take you to the next level. Yeah, I wonder which one would be more powerful. Anyway, moving on. Championship. Top three were all in action on Tuesday night. Wolves beat Reading. Cardiff won at Brentford 3-1. Villa lost 3-1 at home to QPR. So it's ever so tight. QPR be- league though. I, when yeah. you think that Villa beat Wolves, who have been yeah. cruising for most of the season, then lose at home to QPR, who've been like pretty, you, you know, pretty average. Let's put it that way. Mm. All season, yeah. Cardiff seventh win in a row. I can't in make any league, sense though. of it. But luckily, Ian McIntosh and the Totally Football League show can, and that's a podcast that's available right now. Mm. Or you could just ditch, sack that off, and listen instead to Golazzo, which is another football podcast available right now, in which this week we'll be explaining why Roberto Mancini thought he was so special. Mm. The answer being he was. He genuinely was really special. We'll also uh, listen back to the craziest comeback we ever saw, I think, probably, and talk about what's happening this weekend. Sampdoria into that Sunday morning. And the title race... Is it now all over in the title race? Juve, Wednesday night, beating Atalanta 2-0. They're now four points clear of Napoli. Is it over, James Horncastle? Uh, I don't think so, um, because uh, at the end of April, there is a, a big game, which is uh, Juventus against Napoli. Um, yeah, if they can win that, then that would maybe turn the tables back in, in Napoli's favour. Uh, Juventus also still in the Champions League. We'll have to see who they get in the quarterfinals. I think the first leg of the quarterfinal will come after a game against a resurgent uh, Milan. Um, and uh, they still have the Debbie d'Italia as well, away cool. at San Siro, where they lost twice last season. So um, it is a big advantage. Uh, four points, it feels a lot bigger when it's Juventus who have that advantage. Mm. But I don't think it's over yet. Stand down, fat lady. Yeah. Not ready for you yet. Okay, in Greece, the Super League has been suspended after the gun toting antics we uh, described on Monday. France, is, is, has Ligue 1 been suspended? Not yet. Not okay. Yet. It, yet. What's We've happening to Lille? Because you also had a, a pitch invasion there, of course. Yes, it was really bad. Um, the matter is with the club and the police and everything, they're going to try to identify, you know, there were so many of them that were on the pitch. It mm. was really bad. So... Um, it'd be interesting to see what happened. Marcelo Bielsa, by the way, is still uh, suing the club. I think he won 6.5 million euros for the way they sacked him. Okay. Uh, in November, at the end of November, which could be the the final nail in, in their coffin financially, because as you know, they're already struggling financially. Oh, I thought they had money because of uh, Gerard Lopez. I yes, thought... the problem is a bit like the, the AC Milan situation is like when people are not really sure if he really has money ah. and the club seems to have been bought with a lot of loans and borrowings and things like that, which has Yikes. made it not stable at all. And and actually the, the, the French league has already uh, relegated Lille uh, just with their finances and they were they couldn't uh, buy any players for example in January either because of the French financial fair play system mm. saying that right the way they run they run they run right now sorry is just not good enough sorry when did they relegate Lille 
uh, in January. But well, they're a point from safety. They're a point from they're a point from safety. They're 19th, I think, in the mm. league. But the league has financially relegated them, if you want, already because they don't have. Uh, the uh, backing financially and the security financially to stay in Ligue 1. So they'll definitely be going down? At the moment, yes. So it could change be- before June if the owner, Gerard Lopez, and uh, you know, pe- people at the club yeah. actually give the uh, the proofs and the, the the security that they actually have the money coming in right. to be able to stay in Ligue 1 if they stay you know, sporting-wise. But it's, it's looking really doom and gloom for them. Wow, it's less than less than 10 years since they won the title with Eden Hazard, no? It's incredible. And, and Eden, by the way, who put a tweet out on Sunday after what happened, saying, like, we need to all stick together. You know, you can't see things like this. I mean, fans punching their own players. I mean, like, it's one thing to protest because you're not happy by your owners or mm. the way things are going with your team. But punching your own players who are still, like you said, only one point behind, you know, safety. So they still can can stay up. I find that ridiculous. It might be up there in motivation with, you know, trying to yeah. relegate Marquise and stuff. Uh, but the yeah, o- nobody wants to see that in, in, without question. No, the other interesting thing we have in Ligue yep. this weekend is the uh, Nice PSG game on Sunday. Okay. It'll be at one o'clock, which is the earliest we've ever had a game and it's to accommodate the Chinese market because the game will be live on Chinese TV. So what Nice did, which I think is quite good because their fans were not so happy and saying, like, hang on, one o'clock on a Sunday, this is not time for football. So they've put out uh, picnic tables... Uh, why are you laughing? <laughs> They've got games for the children to make your family there. You can come early. You yep. can play games. You have your picnic. You have, yeah, you have a cool day. Oh, Hopefully, it's nice. going to be sunny. I thought it was a great idea. It's a Continuing great idea. The are the picnic tables in view of the pitch? It's, it's no. It's just just outside. Yeah, just outside. So you, okay. uh, yeah, yeah, you get there at eleven thirty. I think ideally you'd want them because it's still early for picnicking. Yeah, you'd want to actually have picnic areas in the stands. Yeah, Monaco could certainly do that. No? One to three is lunchtime, surely. Cov yeah, into Pit GB says to me it looks like good times on the horizon for Marseille. Does Julien agree? How far can they go in this year's Europa, and will they invest further in the summer? Yes, I agree with him. It's it's, it's good time. Rudy Garcia is doing a, a very good job there. They've got um, a mix, I think, of younger players and more experienced players that is working well. Mm-hmm. And and they're third in the league. It looks like they might struggle to catch Monaco. Uh, in second to go straight into the Champions League they will mm. have to go through the playoff if they finish third but they've got a huge game on Sunday against Lyon in the Olympico uh, with Lyon I think five points behind them in fourth so you know for that third place it's a key game but they're doing well in in, in the Europa League as well they th- they won 3-1 in their first leg against Bilbao and they're playing tonight in the second leg so we, we won't know what, what happened there but yeah interesting time and Frank Marco the, the American billionaire who owns the club still has some money left to invest. You know, he, when he when he uh, when he bought the club eighteen months ago, he said we'll have around two hundred million to spend in transfers. So they spent thirty on Payet, for example. They spent some on Mitroglou. So they they've bought uh, Luis Gustavo as well. Cost a lot, especially in wages. So they st- but they still have some chunk of that uh, money available for transfer in the summer. So let's hope they can keep the best player, especially Tova. And then add quality in the squad. And you might actually in. have a title race next year. What do you think, George? Yeah, because I think this Monaco team that. Jardim is rebuilding. He's looking very promising. Oh, yeah? The problem is they will lose Lemar and Fabinho probably in the summer. Mm. So that's going to weaken them a bit. But I think they will be very competitive next year. Same with Marseille and that very young Lyon team as well could be very competitive next year too. So, yeah. We shall be good. see. Should be good. Paul Scholes is my hero. Says if Jules could choose any manager for his beloved PSG, who apart from Tony Pulis would it be? Pep Guardiola? But that's an easy one. That's an easy one. Okay. Everyone would pick Pep Guardiola. Okay. 
Who who do you think you'll get? Who do you think will be in charge next year? I thought Conte was really the front runner, and it looks like Luis Enrique. Uh, yeah, in the last few hours, there's been contact between uh, Luis Ferrer, who is the uh, the assistant to the sporting director, and Teruel Enrique, and Luis Enrique. And you know what? This comes not long after Nasser Khalifi and Antero Enrique went to Brazil to meet Neymar and obviously, and his dad. And if you go to Brazil and meet Neymar, obviously the question of the manager is going to come up mm-hmm. because Neymar knows Emery is not there next season. And I wouldn't be surprised if Neymar said, okay, get Luis Enrique and then I'll be, an, I'll be a happier guy. The whole camp will be happier, blah, blah, blah. And I, I hope it's not true because a club shouldn't choose his manager because the best players say... You should pick him. Even even Messi tried and Tata Martino came mm. to Barcelona and it was a disaster. Mm. So I don't know why Neymar should say to PSG, yeah, let's get Luis Enrique because that's going to make me happy. So I'm, I'm hoping that's Neymar's just me gonna... thinking mm. because that comes so quickly after... You think Neymar's going to be there next season? I think so, yeah. I yeah. think that would be his last season. Okay. Yeah. All right. Now, Dulwich Hamlet update. Yes, please. They drew 0-0 with the Met on Tuesday. The coppers went through 4-1 on penalties. What, was it some sort of cup or something? Hmm? Was it in the cup? Was it yes, it was the Velocity Trophy. Mm. Velocity Trophy, But the wow. big news is the fact that Southwark Council are moving towards compulsory purchase order of the Champion Hill ground, which is, it sounds like a very good outcome. Good. Michael Gale says, if Man United and Arsenal swap managers kept the same players, would they both improve? I love questions like this. <laughs> James, what do you think? If Man United and Arsenal did. Yes, swapped managers kept the same players. Would they both improve? Would Wenger get more out of this Man United side or would Moo get more out of Ars? Arsenal would improve. Uh, United would not. Really? It's a big shout. Michael, do you agree? Yeah, I think I agree. I think a couple of United players would be happier under Wenger, but would they be higher than they are in the league? I don't think so. No. No, I agree with the boys. Okay. Oh, Dr. Jonathan Cable, thank you so much. We did ask if anybody knew the whereabouts of Karen Brady's article from 2011 in which she she cast her mind, all of it, forward to the day that they move into the London Stadium, <coughs> they being West Ham. The article's called, We'll Open with Olympic Parade. I won't read the whole thing out. Saturday, August 16th, 2014, the day has arrived. Finally, we kick off in the sold-out Olympic Stadium. Blah, 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 blah. England manager Harry Redknapp will be my guest after an amazing summer. Saw us get World Cup glory again. Blah, 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 blah. It's all about good old East End values. And for us now, the pie is the limit. We can look back with pride (laughs) on February 2011 and know that we all did the right thing. That didn't happen, did it? Surely. What? She wrote that. She wrote that in 2011. That's she might as well have written it on the side of a bus for oh. all it's worth, <laughs> if you take my meaning. Yeah. Listeners, do you like shaving and looking smooth and clean? Yes! But do you enjoy having to go to the shops for new razors and other shaving supplies? No! no. Well, Cornerstone gives you everything you need for a great shave and they'll deliver it all right to your door. Cornerstone's super sharp, award-winning blades are engineered in Germany, which is always a good sign, and their range of balms, creams and exfoliators are all environmentally friendly, alcohol-free and suitable for the most sensitive skin. Get £10 off your first order and check out the range for yourself at cornerstone.co.uk totally and find out why tens of thousands of men have switched over to Cornerstone. 
Now, do you know what we haven't discussed yet? Jules, the answer to your quiz question from earlier, but also the Premier League, because there's four games going on this yes. weekend. Yeah, that's right. You've got Liverpool-Watford. Liverpool, as we mentioned, only four points clear of Chelsea in the race for top four, so that's a big game. The other three matches, all very significant for the battle at the bottom. Bournemouth are hosting West Brom, who are eight points from safety. Huddersfield, who are only four points above the bottom three, take on Crystal Palace, who are still a point off 17th, but have Wilfred Zaha back. Mm. And Stoke, who are one from safety, but of course have Mark Hughes' picture up in the dressing room now, <laughs> are hosting Everton. What do you think? What do you think? Who's going to be the big winners there? I fancy Palace to get a result, actually. Yeah, uh, I know they've been struggling, but I think Zaha is maybe been the best, alongside Mara, has probably been the best player outside the top six teams. And uh, Huddersfield, I mean, Palace haven't been keeping clean sheets recently, but Huddersfield, I think over half of their matches this season, they haven't scored. They just don't have a consistent goal threat. And uh, yeah, I, I still quite fancy Palace to stay up despite their recent run of form. Recent round of bad form, I should say. Mm. Palace, of course, haven't haven't actually won a game since you left the country, mm. Michael. So could be auspicious your return. As Stoke are playing Everton at home. That's yeah. right. Okay, so Stoke will, Stoke will win. Stoke to win. Stoke to win. Palace to get the result at the John Smith Stadium against a Huddersfield side that enjoyed eighty percent or eighty two percent, I think, possession against Swansea last weekend without actually finding the net once. And Julien, okay, Bournemouth, Bournemouth. West Brom is an easy one to call. Yeah, what about Liverpool West, uh, Liverpool Watford? Oh, yeah, Liverpool at home. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. Big time. Big time. Okay. Here's one final thought before we get the odds on all of that sort of thing. Universidad de Chile had a 1-0 victory over Vasco da Gama in the Copa Libertadores. Shortly after scoring the winner, Angelo Arauz was injured by his own teammates who piled on top of him to celebrate. I always look at people uh, jumping on top of other players to celebrate and thinking, no, you know, because if somebody did that to me, my back would go immediately. <laughs> and footballers, although generally more athletic than me in the main, are finely tuned machines of football. And, y you know, you can't jump on them. Anyway, he does obviously something tweaks in his leg because as soon as the guy gets back off his shoulders, he kind of bends down and goes, oh, no, you had to come off straight away. It happened the other day in the Premier League where, the, because so many of you, someone pushed the head of someone else who uh -huh. banged his nose on the back of the head of the guy who was in front of him. And he got a broken nose. He didn't get a broken nose, but you could see the celebration. I, I think it was Swansea uh -huh. and it was, it was the defender Fernandez. I think, uh, when yeah. Alfie Mawson, I think, scored. Yes. They all, they all like went on him and someone just pushed his head on the back of the head of Alfie Mawson. It's all fun and games until someone... I bet Rio Ferdinand has injured some teammates over the years because he was great for jumping, yeah, wasn't he? He, was he used to do a big 70-yard run-up and then a, you know, Fosbury flop on top of him. Yeah. Of course, Martin Palermo holds the, you know, the all-time record for, for being injured while celebrating, no? Do you remember Martin Palermo, yeah, yeah, famous yeah. for missing all those yeah, penalties? Yeah, that? Yeah. He uh, scored a goal. This is when he was in South America and stood up on the advertising hoarding and tried to do a backflip oh, and ruptured yeah. his ligaments and was yeah. out for six months. Oh, dear. Oh, dear. Anyway, was the, was so... A Premier League player who used to do, like, uh, somersaults yes. and was told he could not do it. Was it Luan Luan? Yeah, Luan Luan, I think, uh, yeah. Mm. There was also um, Celestine Babayaro, uh, before he'd even made his debut for Chelsea, did something bad to his knee by doing his backflip. Mm -hmm. um, so yeah, just don't do it. Don't do it. Don't do, do it. it. Stay safe.
Anyway. Uh, well, hey, there you go. That's the football and more. Time to get those odds from Paddy Power with producer Ben. Thank you, James. I'm with Lee Price from Paddy Power. Lee, you've been at Cheltenham all week. How's it going? I'm just about hanging in there, Ben. Uh, it's nice to hear your voice. How are you? I'm I'm good as gold, thank you. I'm certainly much better than Jose Mourinho and Antonio Conte and uh, supporters of both clubs. Now, we asked on Monday about uh, Manu and Chelsea both getting knocked out of Europe, which they duly did. Now, what about them both going out of the FA Cup this weekend? Yeah, I think I owe you an apology, Ben. I think I, I labelled you unpatriotic, but actually it turns out you were just psychic. Um, you can't imagine both teams going out of this competition having had midweek disasters. Uh, for United in particular, the FA Cup's all they have left, and Mourinho really needs to put the critics to bed. It's a lengthy 10-1 to 1 that Brighton knocked them out. So if you fancy that, there's real value there. Chelsea, on the other hand, they're away to Leicester. They might prioritise a top four chase, uh, which makes Leicester quite interesting at 12-5 to 5 to send them pack in. Combined, for both Man United and Chelsea to go out, that's 36-1. to 1. And you've also got a money-back special on uh, United winning, is that right? We have, yeah. So money-back as a free bet if United beat Brighton, and that applies to losing first, last, anytime goal scorers, correct score, and what odds Paddy markets, max refund £10, online only. So those are the big boys in the <laughs> FA Cup. Uh, what chance Wigan continuing their amazing run against the Premier League sides? Uh, they're up against a side who probably won't be a Premier League side much, uh, much longer, that's Southampton. Yeah, least of all now they've hired Mark Hughes, eh? Um, Wigan have tumbled a bit in the league. They've sacrificed their league form a bit for the Cup. And I wonder if they're starting to panic about that. Uh, they've won just one of their last five fixtures, while Southampton have only won a couple of games all season. So both teams might welcome a winning feeling. We're really tight on this one. We make Southampton slight favourites at 11-10. to 10. Uh, Wigan at home, probably the better team form-wise, are 12-5. to 5. And our last one for today, Lee, uh, Spurs have got a brilliant record against Swansea. don't think Swansea have managed to beat them since the early 80s. Um, but that was before uh, Harry Kane's injury and it was before Carlos Carvajal came on board. <laughs> yeah, could it all change? Swansea, dare I say, it looks safe to me now from relegation. They've really bounced with the new manager um, and they probably quite enjoy a cup run. But for Tottenham, it's less of a free hit. There's a bit of pressure building there. Uh, for last chance of first major honour for Pochettino uh, and that'd be the first in a decade all without Harry Kane but we do expect them to progress their odds on they're 2-5 to five to go through uh, while Swansea are 13-2 to, to prompt Carvajal into another amusing metaphor but I think Spurs will stop that You can find out all those odds and more at paddypad.com it is 18 plus only begambleaware.org and when the fun stops stop and it's time now for us to bring this totally football show to conclusion. But wait, Jules, there's still one item oh, yeah. of unfinished business. So, so far we found three what was players. The question again? So, four players in the history of Manchester United have scored two goals or more in yep. the knockout game of the Champions League. Ben Yedder being one, uh-huh. Brazilian Ronaldo being another one, he scored a hat trick. Uh-huh. Kaka. Found by Coxie is the third one, so there's a fourth one. Is it another? Was it a Real Madrid player? Yeah. Was it Raul? Yes. Yeah. Oh my God, I'm impressed. I'm in the impressed. in the in the game with Redondo's back heel, wasn't in it? 2000. Yeah, yeah. That was a good Come list. at the Cox, you best not miss. Oh yeah, Jules. Yeah, that's yeah. the message. Yeah. There. Well, I hope for many more... listeners. Hmm? Please, listeners, let us know if you if you got the without yeah, cheating, yeah. without googling it. And if you, if you like that kind of quiz action. Join us at 12.30 at facebook.com slash the Totally Football Show. 12.30 Friday, 
Great questions, really. Full of fascinating trivia. Michael, you'd love it. See you there, 12.30 Friday. Many thanks for being back. Good to have you back. Thank you. Uh, great to see you again, James Horncastle. Thank you. And you, Monsieur Laurent. Merci. When you join us again, Julien? On Monday, ah, before we go voilà. to Dublin. Perhaps yes. to preview the upcoming international action. Indeed. All right. Excellent. Listeners, I do hope we can count on your presence then. Have yourselves a great weekend in the meantime. Cheerio. The Totally Football Show is a Muddy Knees Media production. For sales and advertising, email sales at muddykneesmedia.com. 